They're about to move in. They roll sack. And they're off. As they move to the top of the stretch, it's a hit by the finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you might not even know you have. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN ESPN app. Santa Anita Racetrack opened for its 82nd famed winter meeting the day after Christmas, as it always has. But since that day, 21 horses have died there, most in either racing or training accidents. Last week, the track canceled two days of training so the surface could be examined. Renowned racing surface expert Dr. Mick Peterson declared Santa Anita ready to go and racing resumed on Thursday. But then another fatality struck on Saturday during a race. And this week, Santa Anita officials decided to suspend racing and training indefinitely so the track surfaces can be examined more closely. That leads to a whole host of questions. First and foremost, the need to reschedule all of the stakes races, most notably the San Felipe, the Kentucky Derby prep race that was supposed to be the season debut of the top two contenders to win the run for the Roses, Breeders' Cup juvenile champ and two-year-old champion game winner and multiple stakes winner Improbable, both trained by Bob Baffert. The Santa Anita handicap, the big cap, is also among the big races affected by this situation. To try to shed some light on what's going on, we're grateful to have with us Tim Ritvo, the chief operating officer of the Stronic Group, which owns and operates Santa Anita. When you was closed the track last week and Mick Peterson came in, started looking at the track surface, I imagine he must have had a game plan for what he was looking for. But now that this has happened again... Where do you even start in coming up with a game plan to figure out what is going on? Yeah, we put another set of eyes with Dennis on it. I mean, McPeterson's, uh, you know, one of the gurus in the industry, did everything was that needed to be done. We pulled back the surface. We looked at the base, which was in excellent condition. Uh, we had soil analysis done. And the good thing is we've had been doing soil analysis for the last five years every week. So he had a good baseline to look at what we had before all the rains and what we had after the rains to see if there was any separation of the material. There was no separation put it all back, and uh, we still feel completely comfortable. I mean, unfortunately, these incidents are attributed to a bunch of different factors, so we still feel comfortable that the track's in good shape, but there comes a point where you just have to basically start right from scratch and look all over again and uh, just make sure we didn't miss anything. Obviously, the timing of this with your big weekend coming up is catastrophic, but all of those other races, including the big cap, can be rescheduled, although I know the big cap has always been that first weekend of March going back to the days of Seabiscuit, but the big one is the San Felipe because of the progression toward the Kentucky Derby. Where are you in all of those machinations? Yeah, at this time, we really can't say. I mean, the most, the first and foremost is, right, the health and safety of the horses. I mean, obviously, for people that are aiming for the big races and the triple crown races and being an ex-trainer and a jockey myself, I completely understand and, 
you know, sympathize with those people that are, you know, have these great horses keying up for maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity. But at the same time, that can outweigh the masses of what's happened. And we really have to just take a step back, take a look at everything, the track, the conditions, everything. A horse would have to look, we all have to look at ourselves and figure out uh, what, what's going on here. And, you know, it's just a, one of those things where we regroup. And unfortunately, the health and safety of the horses, the horse, uh, the equine horses and the human athletes has to come first and foremost over scheduling of future races. It's just something we have to do. Now, obviously, you would need cooperation in the Southern California area to move racing around there. And to that extent, Los Alamitos has made several hundred stalls available on a short-term basis so horses can ship in there and train. You do own, the Stronic Group owns Portland Meadows up in Oregon. Is that under consideration as a place to move the racing short-term? So everything's under consideration. We haven't, you know, considered that yet. I mean, Portland uh, just finished its meet and it's closed up. But, you know, we're hoping that we can really get a good grasp on this, take a look at everything. I mean, if we were to discover something that was a, a longer term, then we would consider those factors. But right now we appreciate Doc reaching out and given an opportunity for some of those guys to train over there because, you know, as we continue to research this and when we decide to open back up for training, uh, we need to give the horsemen and the horses an opportunity to train before we even think of running and making sure that we're comfortable. And then once we are, then we will decide on what the schedule looks like and moving forward. You mentioned Dennis Moore as coming back to help Dr. Peterson. Dennis Moore, for those who don't know, was the track superintendent at Santa Anita for four years and retired on December 31st. The fact that all of this has happened largely since he last was involved in day-to-day, is there a connection to be made there? No, 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 that's, that's, a, it would be a bad assumption. Uh, Andy LaRocca has worked under Dennis and, and great, uh, track superintendents. Dennis was always around. Dennis was always more of a consultant and an advisor. So Dennis's influences are always still there. The fact that it rains 16 and a half inches would probably be more of a factor than, uh, one and a half inches last year. So for sure, I mean, Andy LaRocca, and I feel bad for him, right? Because it's all happened under his watch, has been there for about 35 years and worked under some of the greatest track superintendents and continued to maintain the track the same way. About three years ago, we had some incidents with rain that was really hard to handle. Dennis went through those. And, you know, it's a lot tougher out here when it rains in comparison to the East Coast tracks because these tracks, you know, they're just not used to 16 inches of rain. It's just something that's, you know, an anomaly, not even blaming it all on the surface. It could be the idea that, you know, one day you're training on a floated track, which is sailed, and the next couple of days it's loose because you're, you're harrowing it and it's a little deeper. So when we talk about uneven and consistent, we're only talking about it through a couple of days. So maybe just the adjusting uh, the horses that have not been used to where they run over a sail track and then run over a, a drying out racetrack. Those are scenarios that we're looking at. It was one of the reasons we looked at this weekend to cancel is we have a bunch of rain coming the next couple of days and we did not want to have to sail the track, have them train over it and then get the track right on the weekend and run over it. So we want to try to get back to some consistency in the track as far as uh, weather-wise and uh, hopefully 
really do all our studies and everything else. And then, you know, even from a horseman's perspective, everybody just think a little bit harder and take a little longer look at all their horses so that we're all in this together. Tim Ritvo is the chief operating officer of the Stronic Group that operates Santa Anita. Thank you so much for a few minutes, sir. Thank you. Please stick around. Welcome back to the In the Gate podcast. Obviously, we need to talk about the effect of the uh, suspension of activities at Santa Anita on the horsemen, especially someone like Bob Baffert, who has the two leading Kentucky Derby contenders, game winner and improbable, all dressed up with no place to go, at least as of our recording this podcast on Wednesday afternoon, March the 6th. Mr. Baffert and his assistant Jim Barnes are a little busy right now. You can imagine their phones have been blowing up. So... To get that perspective, instead, we welcome in Steve Anderson of the Daily Racing Forum. Have him back here on In the Gate. His phone's blowing up, too, but he was nice enough to spare a couple of minutes for us. So what have Bob Baffert and the other horsemen been saying and doing in light of all of this? Well, here we are on Wednesday, you know, late morning in California, and so much of this is so fresh, so brand new, less than 24 hours since the announcement was made, that people are still absorbing the information. And I think in a lot of cases related to the three-year-old runners that are being prepared for the Triple Crown, one of the more viable options, if they do choose to leave California, is to go to Oakland for the Rebel Stakes and uh, the big mile and the 16th prep to the Arkansas, Arkansas Derby that's being scheduled for March 16th. That's if the Santa Anita race, the San Felipe stakes, isn't immediately rescheduled. Santa Anita officials mentioned on Wednesday morning that they were having a series of meetings today to discuss many factors related to this suspension of racing, and one of which was the rescheduling of several of those stakes races. Really, uh, the, the San Felipe stakes needs to be run probably by the weekend of March 16th and 17th to be a good time period prep race for the Santa Anita Derby, which is on April 6th. And that, of course, leaves four weeks to the Kentucky Derby. So if you go three weeks to, uh, to between the San Felipe and the Santa Anita Derby and then four weeks to the Kentucky Derby, some people may accept that schedule, whilst the, the ideally it would have been as, it scheduled, as the schedule was, which was a four-week gap between the San Felipe and Santa Anita Derby and then another four-week gap. So uh, it's, there's a lot of variables that have to be determined in a short period of time, and I think each stable has to kind of weigh what's best for their runners in terms of frequency of races here in in March and in April, getting closer to the Triple Crown races. Now, I spoke off camera, off audio with Joe Harper of Del Mar and asked him how long it would take to get that place up and running if Santa Anita were to be closed for a lengthy period. He would not speculate on that. But here's the other thing I mentioned to Tim Ritvo earlier in the show. What about Portland Meadows? Stronach Group owns that. But you also know as well as anybody that moving dates is not just as simple as the track owns both places, let's go there. There are state regulations that would have to be vetted and addressed as well. What do you see here as an option? Especially, you know, Los Alamitos doesn't have a turf course. What are the options here? The options here are crossing your fingers and hoping that Santa Anita gets moving in the right direction here in the next 10 days, which in the next 7 to 10 days, which I think is very likely in the sense that as soon as, you know, there's rain falling in California this afternoon and uh, and this morning, and Dennis Moore, the track consultant, uh, was announced on Tuesday to have rejoined Sanita's team after uh, stepping away from that position. And with that track at the end of at the end of December, Moore has a lengthy history of working with uh, tracks at Los Alamitos and Del Mar, 
and at Santa Anita until the end of last year for several years and is widely, widely respected. So when he gets in there, when this surface does dry out over the next few days and has a chance to analyze the surface, uh, he might be able to come up with uh, an answer as to when racing can resume and how to go forward. Los Alamitos is going to be have a more active role in training of these uh, Santa Anita-based thoroughbreds here in the next few days. They have some stall space available there to accommodate extra horses if those trainers want to move those horses down to down to Los Al, which is about a 33-mile 30, drive, 33-mile van ride, and therefore they could, they, those horses could stay active to a certain extent. There's a one-mile track there, and it's, it's not heavily used. Quite a lot of the quarter horses that are racing there at night, those, that breed does not train like thoroughbreds do. They don't go to the track every day. They go to the track a couple of days a week. So you don't see the same level of activity on a day-to-day basis at a track such as Los Alamitos that you would at a track such as Santa Anita. So there's an option very close to, to Santa Anita for trainers to utilize if they want to uh, keep those runners you know, galloping, jogging, or even having workouts. And, then, and also several stables, notably Baffert, Doug O'Neill, and John Sattler, among, amongst others, have horses in both stables because they have a limited number of stalls at Santa Anita, and then they have horses at, at Los Al that might be might be suited to Los Al as an individual, or in, in most cases, they're either very young horses who have yet to run, or they might be horses who are just coming back from a rest or something who are just in the early stages of training, and they, they are prepared there before they're sent to Santa Anita to get closer to their racing days. And also, uh, you see the same thing situation at San Luis Ray Downs Training Center, where there's a lot of, uh, that's in northern San Diego County in Bonsall, and there's about 500 stalls there that, are, that can be used for similar purposes. Peter Miller is based there, for example. And we certainly know that San Luis Ray has been rebuilt after what happened with the fire just over a year ago. How much space do they have? How many horses can they take? 495, 495 or so. So there's there's a good amount there if, if at capacity. Although they're they're usually pretty popular. It's usually quite a few horses there. Speaking of where two year olds go when they arrive to the racetracks in Southern California, loads of two year olds start there. They'll they'll just you. It's a much more tranquil setting. It's you know with a smaller smaller capacity, you can just have a little bit of chance to go slowly with a horse instead of the more hectic and uh, activity at a, at a racing track where you know there's a lot more comings and goings on a morning and afternoon basis. Steve Anderson of the Daily Racing Forum with us here on In the Gate. It's a chaotic week at Santa Anita. They have closed the track for re-examination, really, after uh, yet another fatality during last weekend's uh, racing. Mick Peterson, who's been a guest on this show, knows what he's doing when it comes to examining racing services. And he proclaimed that surface 100% before the four-day racing week last week. Thursday through Sunday, now that he has to start from scratch, along with Dennis Moore and others, what is he even looking for? Well, now you've, you've doubled the number of experts in the room to by 100%. So between the two of them, they'll, they might be able to bounce ideas off each other and look at things and, and have some conversations that might even aid the circumstances even better. They, they certainly are two of the, the, the two men who you want to have in, in, in the circumstance as quickly as possible. Let's be clear. It's as if there's an oil well on fire. Call Red Adair. Get him in here and get this thing out. I mean, this is the type of thing these guys can specialize in if there's an issue with the racetrack. If there's any sort of concern about, 
you know, the base or the textures of the soils and all that, most of which, all of which Peterson already has said that he was very happy with a week ago. Now they can look at it again, just to see if, you know, the two more rainstorms have had any effect on this thing. And uh, that's something that I think they'll have to determine over the next couple of days, particularly when this course dries out, uh, you know, Thursday and Friday after a, a, about a half an inch of rain, if not more, here today and, and, and earlier overnight. Just a few minutes after I finished talking with Tim Ritvo, whom you've heard at the beginning of this show, I saw an email from Doug O'Neill saying that the training track at Santa Anita was going to remain open this weekend for training, though the main track is not open for either racing or training. Is that accurate? I haven't, I haven't heard that yet. I expect that uh, later today when I have a conversation with the racing secretary at Santa Anita, that'll be one of the subjects that's discussed. It would sound like a possibility because uh, that surface is completely different. It's a more sand-based surface than uh, than the the main track is. So, and it's maintained differently. It's very small. It's only about five, about three quarters of a mile around. So, it, it's got a limited capacity in terms of activity. There have been times in the past when that track has been used more extensively, uh, such as longer training hours to help people out uh, when the main track is closed, say on a normal rainy day. Uh, that track would stay open, and people would just take horses out for a jog or a gallop. There are some trainers who, who are very uh, adamant about working horses on that surface, such as Jeff Mullins and Phil D'Amato. They're, they're very big fans of working on that. But if you wanted to have a horse at Santa Anita uh, that you just needed to get some activity in, and you didn't want to sh- travel to Los Alamitos or San Luis Rey, an open training track would satisfy a lot of those those needs but again there's a capacity issue it's a smaller little uh, oval than than the main track by by considerable margin so there there's some limitations within that so we'll see how that gets sorted out that would probably be uh, one thing that would help the sanita based trainers in the next few days is if that were open they could say well you know I'll I'll take a few out for a gallop or a jog just to keep them ticking over cuz as Jim Cassidy the uh, president of the CTT told me this morning or told me last night rather there's only so many days you can walk these horses because they're going to be eager to do something else. Well, two things there. First of all, just clarify for me, the training track at Santa Anita is not that interior oval, the one inside the turf course. This is a totally different strip, no, correct? You're thinking, of the, you're thinking of the correct surface, the one that is inside the, uh, the turf, turf course and very, very much adjacent to the tote board as you look out onto the onto the, onto the Okay, that, I was wondering about that. Number two, that's not a training turf track. And there were five fatalities on that turf course. If you've got turf runners, do you simply work them on the training track, or do you try to do something else with them? They tend to work those horses on the on the infield training track or on the main track. There are very, very rare turf workouts at Santa Anita in, in, in recent years. There was several years when there was a lot more of a program for that, and I think it might be they might be expanding that here as we get, get into the spring and get into nicer weather. But largely, uh, there is no turf workouts in the mornings uh, at Santa Anita. By the way, there has been some talk amongst some of our cynical types, you know, we journalists do tend to be cynical sometimes, that the Santa Anita handicap, the big cap, always run on the first or second weekend of March, maybe ought to be moved to be a better prep for the Dubai World Cup at the end of March. Well, obviously, now we're going in the other direction because it's going to be run later. But I wonder if this sort of forced movement forces the hand of the Astronic Group officials to maybe move the race permanently. 
I've had conversations with racing executives for more than a decade on this subject, particularly uh, as the Dubai World Cup has taken a more prominent role in, in the worldwide older horse division since its inception in 1996. And one thing that I think leaves the race locked into its current scheduled position on the 1st of uh, March, which is the first Saturday of March for several years now, is that it also works well for horses that might run in the Pegasus World Cup at the end of January at Gulfstream. Those runners, are not, usually you don't see too many of them come into both races, but at least the option is there to run in the big ticket race at Gulfstream, give the horse all of February off from racing, and then come back in the 1st of March and have that Sanita option in the Sanita Handicap. There's no doubt that the Sanita Handicap has been badly affected by the Dubai World Cup, but even before the Dubai World Cup took off in the late 1990s, the Sydney to Handicap was feeling a little bit of the effects of the presence of the Breeders' Cup Classic at the end of the preceding year. So the big caps kind of been hit in both directions. Not only has the Pegasus World Cup and the Breeders' Cup in advance of it taken on a larger role over the last uh, 30 years and the last three years, but the Dubai World Cup at the end of the month is certainly out there for people who have no qualms about shipping a horse 8,000 miles. So it it take a punch in both directions. Really, it's still a beautiful race. I mean, let's 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 make let's be clear. The winner last year, Accelerate, was you know the champion older male. So it's not as if the standing of the race has been terribly affected by the presence of these other big ticket stakes. It's just that it's now a much more competitive market than it was many many years ago. Steve Anderson of the Daily Racing Forum. Remember, you have to use the extinguisher marked A B C to put out dumpster fires like the one you've now gotten into with Santa Anita. Just so you know. <laughs> it's going to be a, uh, hopefully they'll, they'll be able to smooth over uh, some of these uh, issues that have uh, taken place and that they can get this safety record back. I've got to tell you that uh, last month at the start of February, I wrote an article for the Racing Forum that the California Horse Racing Board had published its annual report, which is an extensive uh, volume uh, to discussing a lot of the issues going on in the game in terms of uh, up, up and down the state, you know, handle, breeding, a lot of things. In that report every year, they do have a necropsy uh, statement of the number of horses that were lost in, in, in racing enclosures, in racing or training, or in other, other situations such as maybe an illness. In the fiscal year ending June 30th, 2018, there was 133 approximately of that many horses. Actually, I need to double-check that, but I can tell you with, with conviction that there was a 33% decline in fatalities at California racetracks compared to the fiscal year ending June 30th, 2017. It was a very, very safe season, particularly, uh, you know, at uh, Del Mar and, and at Santa Anita. In the second half of 2018, which is the active fiscal year, I recall having several conversations with people about how, how well racing was going and how safe things had been, not only at Del Mar, Los Al, Santa Anita, but as, the, you know, the whole season continued. To see what's taken place over the last 60 days is certainly heartbreaking to anyone involved in any aspect of the sport of racing. So right now you, you just wonder, is this a statistical blip? You know, after so many, so many safe months and even a safe year, what is causing this? What is, what is, this looking, what is looking this? Uh, you know, in 30 or 60 days, will we look back and find that the period that, that that period was much safer? That's something that we have to determine, obviously, and we'll watch closely as, as racing resumes at Santa Anita probably within uh, 10 days from now. Well, keeping horses safe is certainly a thankless job. You can never do it great you just can do it wrong so nonetheless thank you for sharing this uh, with us and we'll obviously keep an eye on it as we go forward thank you sir thank you 
You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.